Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 122, The Magic of Teams. It's May 31st, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, etc. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way. My music is by Howie Moscovich. The Magic of Teams. In this podcast, I am going to tease out a few elements to a team that can provide magic and sparkle. And hopefully you will get some ideas of possibly things that you're not currently doing in a team environment. Let's get going. A couple housekeeping items to begin with. Number one, my disclaimer. I am not a medical professional, I am not a therapist, and nothing I say in this podcast or any content that I write or record is intended to be medical or therapy advice. If you happen to be feeling suicidal right now, or you are feeling that life is just simply too hard for you, or it's too much to bear, I am asking you to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I'm asking you to make that call. People will help you. I promise you that. And there's plenty of help and just have no shame or embarrassment. This happens and just deal with it. My next note is for the deaf and hard of hearing community. I currently have transcripts for my podcasts on the rss.com hosting platform. In the future, transcripts will also be available on my website. At the current time, they are simply available on the rss.com website. And I am working to improve my flow of speaking, my pronunciation, so that you have a better transcript for your use. My next note is about an emotional processing diagram and corresponding word text that I announced last week in a podcast and is up on my website under the Newsweek logo. The reason I'm mentioning this is because we are now up to version 2.0. And this this whole emotional diagram and corresponding recommendations are a result of encouragement from people who are knowledgeable that I am the expert in managing and processing my emotions and therefore I should deconstruct my process and provide instructions for people. So I'm working on doing that. And in the process, it's it's very difficult to deconstruct an automatic process that you barely notice, that it's seamless and natural. So I suspect that as I move forward, based on additional 
feedback and the people I'm working with, there may be subsequent changes, in which case we'll have a, a new version. I am telling you, this is not therapy approved or approved by any other entity or organization. It is how I manage and process my emotions with my recommendations, many of which the new recommendations include things that we are not talking about in society, yet are very significant when it comes to managing and processing your emotions. So I am not saying that this is the end-all be-all. I am in no way saying this is perfect. I am providing it as a tool for you, letting you know that this is how I do it. This is how we know I do it so far. Um, and you use it at your, at your own risk. All right, so those are the housekeeping items. Now, my general thoughts on teams. Well, first of all, I am, I am a diehard, diehard, diehard fan of teams. And the definition of team in the dictionary, loosely, is a group of people who come together for a common goal, mission, or objective. I think we pretty much know what teams are. And many people only think of teams with respect to workplace organizations, workplace settings, or associations, or other groups. And of course, sports teams, we think of teams when it comes to sports. But there are other areas where teams can be informal, but extremely helpful beyond workplace, organizations, associations, and sports. Teams can move things that are impossible into the realm of possibility and becoming possible. Yes, teams can do that. It's what's happened throughout humanity and society over the long haul. And teams can be magical, very powerful and very magical. So let's take apart some of these pieces so hopefully you can pick up an idea or two to help your teams become more productive and more magical. So what does the typical team look like? Well, the how is your typical team? Well, think about it for a moment. You're, you've been on teams or you're in a team right now. How are they? Well, is it boring? Is it drudgery? Is it dull? Is it the type of thing where you can't wait for the team meeting to be over? I don't know how it is for you. I mean, it might be like that and it might not be like that. Or is it fun? Is it dynamic? Is it exciting? Is it enlivening and inspiring and you can't wait to go to one of the meetings? I don't know. But there's a typical way, in my opinion, based on experience, that teams go, which is not magical, exciting, dynamic, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go to a meeting. So that's what we want to bring to the party. So for you listening to this podcast, you can just reflect for a moment and see what is the flavor, what is the feeling, what is the nature of any teams that you're participating in. And and just notice, like it's not something we generally talk about. What's the flavor of the team? What's the nature of the team? What's the feeling of the team? But this this is very significant. So before I get into some things that will give you some, some magic, I want to talk about a couple different areas where teams are not frequently thought of or necessarily used that are, in my opinion, very impactful and very powerful. 
powerful. The first one is family teams. So because I'm a team fan, a diehard fan of teams, of course, with my three kids and I, the three kids and I were a team. And we did a lot of things together, constituted as a team, working together on a variety of projects and whatnot. And we, I did call team meetings, but I called them family meetings. I might have called them team meetings sometimes, but mostly family meetings with the kids and I. And we did various projects. Now, one of the biggest projects we did, which was so wildly helpful, was when the kids and I worked together to pack up the whole house and all of our belongings to move across state lines. Now, most people, when they pack a box, they pack a box that might label it kitchen or whatnot, but that's not, that's not how we move when we're moving so many boxes because the number ended up being close to 500 boxes. So each box, the kids and I labeled with the contents on the outside of the box from a Word document I had created, and they worked with me. Sometimes they were typing up the contents, and sometimes they were packing things. So we ended up with a Word document, a searchable Word document with each category by area of the house and then the numbered boxes, which was a laborious and painstaking process that I actually withstood a ton of criticism and condemnation for. At the same time, I've moved many times. I know what I'm doing when it comes to moving and the results once we moved and then the kids were looking for where is this, where is that. It was the most miraculous thing. Within seconds, I could tell them that's in a box, that's in your box, your box number four, or that's in the office box, or that's wherever it was. And in a moment, find where whatever item they were looking for or whatever item I was looking for. So we did grocery shopping as a team. <laughs> we did meal planning as a team. We did actually cooking and prepping food as a team. We did a lot of things together as a team and it was very powerful. Of course, it's very helpful and we had fun doing it too. So for example, grocery shopping, once the kids were older, meaning I didn't have to worry about them getting abducted or kidnapped. Uh, they could go and take part of the shopping list and do that themselves. And we kind of broke down the list. You're getting this, you're getting that. And we would kind of have a little like amazing race <laughs> to see how quickly we could get our grocery shopping done, which was shocking to some people, but it was quite fun. So families are an area where team can be very helpful and it's also teaching children and young people the concept of team and how you work in a team and deal, dealing sometimes with team problems because we did have some family team meetings about chores not working out too well or this or that. So there's an area that sometimes people do not embrace the idea of team that for me, yes, yes, please do that. The next area, which I have talked a lot about in my podcast, which is to bring team, the idea of team to growth and development. I really am a diehard fan of being playful and fun in life and growth and development 
absolutely can be filled with laughter and fun and joy while you're learning things about yourself. Like I learned I ran away from love and I've learned that I'm guarded and we laugh about those things. Now it's not really funny that I ran away from love. <laughs> it's not really funny that I'm guarded, but it's funny because once I embrace it, it doesn't have the same hold on me. So growth and development, even if it's just you and one friend or you and a relative or you and your child or you and whoever, you and one other person, two is enough. Two is going to be way more impactful than you working on your own growth and development by yourself. But growth and development can be deliciously and wildly fun with just two people or even more. And I mean, have parties, name your team, create events. And I have actually literally coached people about doing that, then happened to run into them later by accident, and they were over the moon excited. Like, if you have a problem in life, you can go, oh, I have this problem. Oh, I have this issue. Or you could bring a different attitude like, oh, I have this issue or problem. I think growth and development might be the key to help me with that. Hmm, who can I take with me? And take people with you. I promise you, you won't regret it. Now, another area that we are definitely not talking about teams with respect to, however, I don't know anybody who's ever gotten through this without a team, and that is the area of domestic abuse and domestic violence. I am now calling them domestic abuse and domestic violence because domestic abuse does not always include violence. I mean, domestic violence always includes domestic abuse, but the latter is not true. Domestic abuse does not always include violence. And these are things where a person who's trying to escape domestic abuse or domestic violence will need a team. They may not be able to meet with the team together. It may be this person's going to help me with that and this person's supporting this. It may be very individual, yet it still constitutes a team. And unfortunately, in this day and age, we live in a society, in a world where people who don't have personal experience with domestic abuse or domestic violence don't understand the complications of getting out of that type of situation. And when they don't have more wisdom and understanding about that, they are left thinking, well, we have shelters, we have all these resources. Yes, it's true, we have shelters and we have resources. At the same time, because economic abuse is extremely high in domestic abuse and, and particularly high, highest probably in domestic violence, the resources we have for someone to leave an abusive relationship with or without the violence is, is a band-aid. It's not nearly enough. So if you are or someone you love is in a domestic abuse or domestic violence situation, they are going to need, most likely in my opinion, a team may not be a team that's constituted where you get together, but I don't know anyone who's been successful in leaving domestic abuse with or without the violence without a team of people to help them because it's very difficult. So there's another area where team is not only 
helpful, it's probably, in my opinion, necessary. It's probably absolutely necessary. But anyway, all right, so that gives you some areas where you don't necessarily find teams, that teams will be very, very helpful. <clears throat> and now let's start talking about some of the components or elements that can make a team magical and really powerful. And the first one is seriousness versus being playful and fun. <clears throat> we have people in the world who believe you cannot have being serious combined with being playful and fun. The way that some people hold this is that you're either serious or you're playful and fun, but they are mutually exclusive, so they do not come together. For those people, it would not occur to them to be playful and fun at a meeting because that's not how they would look at things. So from my view, if you've listened to my podcast, you've probably heard many times where I have shared the fact that I made a decision in high school, literally, like sitting in a high school classroom one day, I decided, you know what, when I grow up, I am not going to be one of these serious sticks, sticks in the mud. I am going to be playful and have fun. Now, that, that doesn't mean I wasn't going, going to accomplish things. Of course, I was going to accomplish things. And of course, I wanted to be successful, but they're not mutually exclusive. And when you have a team of people working on anything, having a sense of play and fun can be very contagious and enlivening for the group. I mean, think about it. Do you want to go to a meeting where it's serious, dull, and boring? Or do you want to go to a meeting where it's, you know, you're getting things done, you're moving through the agenda, but it's playful and there's laughter and it's enjoyable. Well, of course you would like to go to a meeting where it's more enjoyable than less enjoyable. That's a given. So the first piece is to bring a sense of playfulness and fun to your meetings. And for some people, that's not going to happen. Like That's just not how some people are wired. So they may have to do a little growth and development or someone else from the team can function to bring the playfulness and the fun to the team. The next piece that's very critical, in my opinion, for having magical teams is the power of relatedness. We don't typically walk around in society talking about being related, so I want to give you the dictionary definition of related. Related is an adjective, and it means being connected or associated or having a close harmonic connection. In my experience, in a lifetime of experience, I have found that when you are related to someone, particularly deeply related or richly related, they will go out of their way to help you. That's my experience. And my other piece about relatedness is when a team feels richly and deeply related and connected to each other and there's this harmony the team will produce remarkable and sometimes impossible results results that no one ever thought was possible and I originally in my draft my sketchy outline draft I had 
several examples and I thought mm, I'm not really even going to go there because I'd like to keep this a little bit more streamlined and we have lots of examples through humanity of things that were seemingly impossible that were accomplished but one of the underpinnings for accomplishing something that seems impossible or a big dream or something huge is the team the individual team feeling related and connected to each other so pause take a moment reflect any teams you're participating in are the people richly related <coughs> is there a feeling of relatedness among the team well there's a number one number of ways you can bring that to the team <coughs> one of which is to have food i do not have meetings by the way without food there is always food at any meeting that I'm participating in, I mean, assuming that I have some authority to do that, I don't overstep people's bounds if I'm attending a meeting that someone else is hosting or someone else is in charge of. I'm not control-oriented or demanding. Uh, at the same time, most people, if they're in charge of a meeting and you offer to bring food, most of the time they will say yes. And what I learned in college was, boy, if I had food at a program for college students, the attendance was through the roof. No food, not so much. Food helps people get related. It's like the old breaking bread idea. Food is a wonderful way to help people get connected and start to develop the, the relationship that forms relatedness. And the other thing is that if you're in a team and people are not related, in addition to having food, food or snacks, in my opinion, that's a must-have. <laughs> but the other thing that you can do if people are not related or they're not feeling connected is to build into your agenda some ice-breaking activities and some actions to help people uh, grow together and and become more related. So there are things you can do structurally within the meeting to help facilitate that. But in my opinion, relatedness underscores and is the foundation for producing miraculous and impossible results. Because in my opinion, in my experience actually, people who feel related will go way out of their way. They will go way above what's called for, way above what's necessary, because they're, they're connected. So the power of relatedness, are your teams related? Is there this rich feeling of relatedness amongst the people who are on the team? I don't know, but there are things that you can put in that will help you. The next piece, quickly, is the clarity of intention and purpose. I, I wasn't originally including this, but then I was thinking of this work team that I participated in and the clear, the purpose of the mission, the purpose of the team was vague. It was very vague. It was grow market share. Well, that's, that's specific. We grow market share. Well, duh. Uh, but it was very vague. It was not concrete in terms of what avenues or which particular, I mean, there were so many ways you could go with that. And so we as a team sat down and said, well, that's pretty vague, but we, we get the idea. And then we brought clarity to, for, the, for the mission with intention and purpose. Is your team crystal clear about the purpose and the intention? 
Well, they may or may not be because sometimes when workplaces or organizations or other associations create a team, it might be to tackle a problem, but it may be vague. So bringing clarity and intention to what you're up to is very valuable for the participants. The more clear you can be, the better your results. My next piece, of course, if it's a formal team, meaning if it's a work team or with an association or an organization or something more formal, you will, of course, have an agenda. I would think, or in many cases. Now, if it's just a, a social gathering of the team, then no, but, but more often than not, hopefully, you will have an agenda. My question for you is, do you put the amount of time allocated for each line item on the agenda? On the agenda, print it out on the agenda. So line item one is the welcome and introductions. That's 10 minutes. Line item two is 15 minutes. Line item three is only eight minutes and so on. Do you print those times on the agendas so that all the meeting participants can see this is how much time we've we've guesstimated, we're roughing out, this is what it's going to be. Of course, baking in extra time in case things go over, but do you do that? Well, a lot of organizations and businesses do not do that, and that's fine. You don't have to do that, but I'm telling you, it is one of the most powerful things, in my opinion, as a time management aficionado and enthusiast that you can do because it helps you stay on track. It's respectful to the team members who are at a meeting and big bonus. <laughs> Every group that I've ever known has somebody who's a talker who does, who lacks self-awareness and does not know when to stop talking. And they will, in essence, hijack your meeting or at least take it off the rails by five, 10, whatever number of minutes. This happens not just in meetings. And when you place time allotments as a guesstimate to each agenda item, what will happen over time is your meeting participants, if they're not used to that and you're not used to that, there'll be a little learning curve as people get used to it. But eventually, oh, the people who want the meeting to end on time, the, the people who do not want to just hear Joe or Susie ramble and ramble and ramble about nothing, they will love that you've put times on the agenda because that helps you take control back from someone who's trying to hijack the meeting. So it's wildly effective. It does, if your group or your team or your organization has never done that before, you have to set that up with them. You have to explain it and you have to then manage and monitor it. Now, if you're going to do that and then you have a someone who hijacks your meeting, they're on the agenda for 10 minutes. Now they're at 15 and you haven't said anything. No, 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 no. That's, that's just, that will be a complete loss of power for you as a leader. You have to be able to be assertive and say, okay, 
well, we have 10 minutes allotted for your topic. We're now at 12, so we need to either table this and bring it up at the next meeting, or my suggestion would be let's take this offline and let's get this handled offline. I mean, that's always that's always my recommendation if you have somebody who's a meeting hijacker. Take their topic offline and get it managed offline because that's what they do. And there are people, they're wired that way. I mean, even in Toastmasters, we had distinguished Toastmasters who knew their time limit was seven minutes, and they would talk for 15. Just complete disrespect for other people. So if you're not already putting times to your agenda, I would strongly advocate that. And people, most of the people are going to love it. And I think if you try it, you'll eventually love it too. My next suggestion for your teams is really the power of conviction. It doesn't take everyone on the team to have conviction, but in my experience, it takes at least one person who has the power of conviction. In other words, they are all in. And conviction, by the way, means a strong persuasion or belief. So they have some certainty or they're free of doubt. So for a team to really reach the pinnacle of success, in my experience, it's really extremely, extremely helpful if you have at least one person who has a strong, resolute conviction that the team will be successful in their mission and their objective or whatever they're setting out to do. That's helpful. Now, it does not have to necessarily be the official designated team leader. It can originate with someone else in the team. It's nice if it's it's nice and helpful and powerful if it's the team leader, if it's someone leading the charge, but it does not always have to be the team leader who is filled with conviction. But when you have a team and there's and there's no one holding the space for conviction, things don't typically move forward with velocity and at the same speed as when you have one or more people who are firm, they're all in, they're convinced, they have conviction, we will be successful. It makes a huge difference, which also falls under the power of belief, which a lot has been written about. So if you're the team leader and you are namby-pamby about the success or you're half-hearted, you will probably receive namby-pamby results or half-hearted results, which may be tempered if someone else on the team is resolute and filled with conviction about the success of the team. So that's what I have to say about that. Now, my next thing um, is one of my favorites as well, <laughs> and something that I am frequently scoffed at, laughed at, or what have you, of course, until I'm successful and then people go, oh, yeah, she did it, is um, thinking and dreaming big. In my, my little world, you're either dreaming and thinking big, or you're going with the drift, you're in the flow, or you might be unwittingly, and I do mean unwittingly, playing small. It's not the way some people are organized to dream big or think big. It's just outside of their 
way of thinking or it's outside of their capacity for how they how they think it's just it's just not how they think and i don't think that way i'm a big thinker and a big dreamer i can tell you one time in buffalo this woman was she was actually at my house in my kitchen and she was sitting across from me and she said lisa you that will never work that will just never work that's impossible and I just looked at her and I said, okay, well, I understand why you're saying that. And I'm I'm not disagreeing with you that it doesn't look impossible, but I believe I'll do it. And then, of course, I went and did it. So thinking big and dreaming big are way, they're delicious to me. And I have a podcast about dreaming and thinking big, which may be helpful to you. But here's the reason why a lot of people won't do that or can't do that or don't do that, which is having issues or fears with failing or being a failure or failing. And I understand that. I just am a person who happens to chuckle and laugh at my failures. I don't think I'm a failure if I fail. Hey, I'm happy if I fail because I at least was in the game. I was at least making an effort and trying. I don't look at myself as less than if I fail. But this is one piece that prevents some people from thinking or dreaming big. In a team environment, you know, if it's work, you may have a set objective. Well, let's say the set objective is to increase market share. Well, there's a predictable increase that would be quote unquote reasonable. Then there's a, another increase that would be like, whoa, that's wild. And then there's like blowing it out of the ballpark and like doing something that nobody can believe. So you, as a person on the team, or if you're the team leader, you transforming your relationship to either failure or failing can be very powerful and positive in a team environment. It's just very helpful to notice how you are about that because that is something that will stop you. And if you're going to have a team don't, why not have remarkable results? Why not do the things that people say are impossible? I don't know. I've, I've done that enough times. It's kind of, it's, it's a little, it's, 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 it goes both ways because I've done things and before I was successful, people just mocked me, laughed at me and did all kinds of things behind my back. Then when I was eventually ultimately successful, people some people cop to what they were saying and said, boy, we were wrong about you. You really, you really got that done. So it's, there's both sides. You have to be able to take one with the other. So bringing, thinking big and dreaming big or going for the impossible is going to give you a different path than if you're just playing small. All right. So what would happen or what happens when you add magic and sparkle to your teams? Well, let me tell you. Number one, they will become contagious. <laughs> when I say they will be contagious, I mean people will want to join your team who are not a member. People will want to participate with your group or team who don't have necessarily skin in the game. And it's very it's very exciting. I mean, of course, you know, like if you're hosting a meeting, say you're hosting a six hour meeting and you have agenda packets for the 20 
people in attendance and then you have eight kingpins show up unexpectedly unannounced because your team has become contagious and they want to sit in on the meeting, well, number one, you're going to have to run to the hotel desk and make extra meeting packets, copies of the meeting packets. And number two, you're of course not going to turn away the top, top people in the field you're in because it's a blessing and a, and a serious acknowledgement that you've arrived and you're contagious and people are talking about what you're doing and it's amazing. But there's some other things. So people will do more than what you ask of them, in my opinion. They'll go the extra mile. The other thing is people will often stay around longer than their term. If they're given a particular term to be on a team, which someplace sometimes that applies and sometimes it doesn't but in my experience I had multiple people who stayed well beyond their term like stayed two terms because the environment was so inspiring and they had so much fun and it really was just a pleasure for them and I didn't even know that their term had expired and they had just asked their organization can I continue to be the representative there will be a ripple effect. There will be, there's always a ripple effect, good or bad, but we're talking about adding magic. So I'm talking about adding positive effects. And sometimes when you really do a very good job of making the agenda crisp with times and you have playfulness and fun and of course refreshments of course and and you're you're clear on the agenda and the mission and people are related you know this is something that's going to be very impactful to people and impact your productivity I'm all about results people I mean I really like productivity and results those are like those are wonderful things for me so when you pull it all together and you have magic and sparkle and relatedness and all the things I'm talking about, you will be stunned at what you can accomplish, in my opinion and in my experience. Now, because we're talking about teams and the magic of teams, I do have to make a quick mention that there will be problems and there will be problem people most likely. I'd love to say you'll never have any problems, but that's that's like magical thinking or something. I don't know what that is. But it's very likely you will have encounter problems in the team, whether it's a problem on the way to the objective or the something that gets in the way of you being successful. And sometimes the problems you will have are due directly to problem people. Problem people create problems. It's kind of what they do. And my suggestion is you deal with it head on. If you happen to be organized as a human being, as a minimizer, that is really not going to help you in a team. When there's a problem, whether it's a problem reaching a goal or a problem that's come up or because of a problem person or a person is a problem, it's, it's really can tank the team. It can stall the team. It's a very negative ripple effect unless you get to work and deal with it. And depending on what the 
problem is or what the problem person is, you will, you will have to find a way to deal with it. And sometimes that means you have an executive private off the books leadership meeting to deal with a problem person and come up with a solution. I mean, it depends on who the person is or what the problem is, but it, it's valuable for you to understand if a problem comes up or you're dealing with a problem person, it really has to get put to bed. I do have a whole podcast about dealing with problems and issues because we do have a certain type or mentality, minimizers being one of them, that tends to minimize a problem and then want to dismiss it out of hand and the impact. That's really not going to be helpful. So you have problems, deal with them. I have a couple last suggestions to pull it all together for having magic in your teams. And number one is make sure you have clarity and purpose or brainstorm to create it. If it's a work or an association or some other entity, it's just sometimes not that clear. So bringing clarity and intention to the mission or purpose is wildly helpful. Number two, take the necessary intentional actions to have the team members richly related to each other. It, food, definitely have food. You know, if you need to do icebreaker activities, so what? Do icebreaker activities. They can be very fun. You can be creative. Um, make it playful and fun. If you can generate, and I hope you can, the presence of love, affection, and passion that will go a long way to help people feeling related, getting related, and the the whole playful and fun, it will all it will all swirl together. Definitely, if you've never put times on your agenda, I would hope you would try it. I I mean, I understand how people have this visceral reaction to that, but I did it for I've done it for years with professional settings and work settings and it's worked out beautifully and people come to depend on that because it keeps things going all right dream big think big be unstoppable deal with your problems and along the way reward your team as you're making progress don't wait to the end to have the oh we did it celebration every little mile, i'm a big fan of celebrating every little success and every little milestone and of course, bring that to your team. So as far as my takeaways go, teams can be wildly magical and extremely powerful when you get them set up so that people are richly related and they're playful and fun and you can still, you can accomplish the impossible with a playful and fun team. I, my request is you share this podcast and social media so we can change the dynamic of teams and team meetings and meetings from being lifeless, dull, boring drudgery to, hey, we're having a meeting. Oh, I can't wait. All right, that's it. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 122, The Magic of Teams. I hope that this podcast gave you some new ideas to bring some magic and sparkle to your teams and maybe even some ideas of where you could build a team where you presently don't have one. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically because, of course, you would not want to miss one. Uh Uh-huh. And share this podcast on social media so you can have other people get the value of teams in their life. That's all for now. I love you. Take care.